with all of you today. I pray that you're having a good week. Thank you for everyone who's joining us on our Pray 21. Uh, we've had uh, over 60 people joining us uh, at, at just at one time and then another couple of hundred people watching it throughout the day and, and praying with us. Thank you for being a part. If you missed it this week, hey, set an alarm. We pray for 21 minutes at 1221 on Facebook Live, and we'd love to have you join us. And we're already seeing... Uh, God do miracles even before the week was out. God was already answering prayers. And so if you have a, a need or a prayer request, we want to pray with you as well. Uh, I'm going to dive right into the sermon today. I just want to take a moment and, and welcome everyone watching online. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, traveling, maybe you're in the hospital, maybe you couldn't make it today for whatever reason, but we're glad you're with us. And I want to ask you to get still and quiet for the next few moments, to get ready to receive from the Word of God. That the same power of God that is here with us today, the same Holy Spirit that is here with us today is going to touch you in your life uh, right where you are. So we're glad that you're here. Open your Bibles with me, if you will, to the book of Exodus. Last week, we began kind of telling this story of what the Passover meal was and what it meant. And, and I'm not going to take a long time to, uh, to recap all of that. We'll, we'll get that up on the, the podcast this week so that you can listen to it if you missed part one. But we talked about how there are, there are 14 parts to the Passover meal. We come together, we take communion, we drink you know, one little half a sip of, of grape juice and, and one little piece of cardboard bread, and, and that's what we do. Y'all know I'm telling the truth right now. Uh, I, I find that, that that grape juice tastes terrible. The key is you throw it straight to the back of your mouth. Skip your tongue completely, throw it straight back like you're taking a shot, and then it's, and then it's better. <laughs> For the record, I've never taken a shot of anything, so I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but we, we take this one meal, this one piece of bread, this, this one cup, but in fact, the Passover meal consisted of 14 different parts. It, it wasn't a, a three-course meal or a four-course meal or a five-course meal. It had 14 different parts to it and four specific cups. So we talked about the first last week, which was the cup of sanctification. This is salvation. This is the fact that Jesus came to save us. It's reminded of the fact that Moses went back to bring the people out. God saved them from slavery to Israel. So he brought them out. And, and this, so this is the first thing we do is, is we want people to know God. We want people to find salvation and drink the cup of sanctification. But I want to keep moving forward today because there's more to it than that. The second cup, and we'll, and we'll read here. You'll see the promise. There's, there's four promises that you find in these verses, Exodus chapter 6. Therefore, say to the Israelites... but still be a slave. 
We can, we can come into the kingdom of God and we can receive salvation. We can drink the cup of restoration or the cup of, of sanctification and we can receive salvation and yet we can still be slaves in our hearts and in our minds and in our lifestyle. Jesus doesn't want us to stop there. Salvation was wonderful, but he didn't leave them there. Note what Paul wrote in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 1. You may know this verse. It is for freedom. Yes, he saved us, but we can still be bound up in our habits, in our actions, in what we do. So he said, I didn't just set you free so you could stay in slavery. I set you free so you can live free. Here's another verse Paul wrote in Romans chapter 7. I'm reading from the Message Bible now. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. This is a powerful man. This guy wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And he, even he is saying, man, I've got these contradictions in my life where I want to do everything according to the Word of God and I want to follow Jesus and I want to serve Him with all of my heart and all of my mind. But pulling on me is this other side of me, this sinful nature that's always trying to influence me to do what I know I shouldn't do. The hope, though, is found in Jesus Christ. The hope is found in this promise that not only would he bring us out, but he would set us free. Put, put yourself in the life of these Egyptians. Remember, they were, they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. 400 years. That means not only, if, if you're the one talking to Moses and he's trying to sell you on taking you out to, 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 back to Israel where you were free, to the land of Canaan, you don't know what it's like to be free. You've never been anything but a slave. Not only do you not know what it's like, you don't know anyone that knew what it was like to be free. Not only do you not know anyone who knows what it was like to be free, but you don't know anyone that knew anyone that knew what it was like to be free. You don't know anyone that knew anyone that knew anyone that knew anyone that knew anyone. Do you get the picture here? You can't, even, you can't even imagine what freedom really feels like. All you know is slavery. And, and suddenly, you're, you're out of Egypt, and, and Moses has delivered you, and God's delivered you, and you get to the Red Sea, and you suddenly recognize, we have no idea what to do. We've been told how to live, how to work, what to do, what to think. We have been totally controlled every single day of our life for 400 years, generation after generation after generation. And we don't even know what life would be like if we were free. So we toss this word around freedom, but we really don't know what it means. 
we, we don't even understand how it, how it would be to really live free. And so what does God do? He starts giving them these laws. And, and from our perspective, we think of the laws as slavery in of themselves, and it can be. But from the slave's position, what God was actually trying to do with the law of Moses was teach people how to be free. Remember, the law of Moses, yes, the covenant of Moses is the old covenant, and we don't live by it. And we don't, we're not walking around reading tablets of stone. But you know what the Bible says? He writes those laws on our heart because these laws still teach us how to live free. Think, think about what God did. He even gave them a law about having a day off from work. Do you know why? <laughs> because slaves didn't get days off. Slaves didn't have unions. Slaves didn't get specific hours. You worked when you were told to work. As long as you were told to work, you did what you were told to do. And so God literally had to teach them how to sit back and rest. And he had to make it a law. Now, we don't live by that law necessarily, but it's still part of living free. If you're not resting in your life, you're going to struggle to live free. When we're exhausted and we're depleted and we're worn out, it's one of the quickest ways that the enemy can get into your life and tie you up. And so God said, make sure that the seventh day you rest and you give it to me and you show up at church on Sunday like we are. Right? We give it to God. He put in laws to teach us how to live free. This is how much God loves us. He wanted us to be free. You see, salvation takes care of our eternity. We drink the cup of salvation and our eternity is set. But then he wanted to deliver us and deliverance determines our quality of life while we're still here on the earth. They're two separate things. Salvation gets us into heaven. But you can get into heaven, you can be on your way to heaven and still be bound up. So, so what God said was, he said, look, I promise I'm going to get you out of Egypt. But, the, but as soon as I get you out then I'm going to set you free from the slave habits and the slave mindsets. He wants to improve our quality of life while we're right here on the earth. But you know, it's difficult to function sometimes without the familiarity of our prior captivity. Man, the, the, the Israelites no more got to the Red Sea. They were hardly out of Egypt before they were mad at Moses and saying, you should have just left us there. We were better off. We knew, at least we knew what we were getting into when we were in slavery. But Moses said, no, we've got to cross the Red Sea. We've got to keep going. If, if you're in that place today where you've given your life to Jesus, but you're so tempted to go back to your habits, first of all, know that you're not alone. The enemy wants to convince you. He wants to lie to us in our mind and, and say to us, like, no one else struggles with this. You're saved. It's supposed to be all out of your life now. You're supposed to be perfect in every way. Guess what? None of us are perfect. And all of us mess up, and all of us have our issues, and God is working on all of us to deliver us from the stuff in our life that he wants to get, get us free from. He wants you to find freedom in your life. So don't let the enemy lie to you. Don't let him confuse you. Just as soon as, soon as you receive salvation, get ready to face your sin and your old mindsets. You say, well, nothing happened. I went in there, and I said a sinner's prayer, and I, I repeated that prayer, Pastor Renan, and nothing happened. Oh, yes, something happened. You were saved, but now it's time to move on to freedom. You, you can be en route to heaven, but still be plagued with selfish habits and secret addictions and, and sinful attitudes. Deliverance is about dealing with the influences of sin in your life. 
Let me give you another illustration on, that, that might help you get this. So I've got two kids. Most of you know that by now. I talk about them a lot. If you don't like hearing about my kids, I'm really sorry. I love talking about my kids. I really love, I'm at that phase in my fathering, parenting, that one of my favorite things to do is embarrass my kids. It's just one of my favorite things to do. And uh, so this, this is my two kids right here when they were baby. That's Randy as a baby, and that's Kennedy. Or maybe a couple of weeks. And, and so he's just born. Here's the thing. When you are born, when you are conceived, um, you come into this world, and you are born, you are, a, you are fully alive, but you haven't grown up yet. You tracking with me? You're like, you're like you're, when you're born, you're a baby, you're a person, you have a name, you have a social security number, you have a life, and uh, you, 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 like God puts you on this earth, and, and you are a real person. You exist, but you have a lot of growing to do. I'll tell you, my, my son doesn't look like that anymore. Eleven years later, he's this tall, and he, and he speaks, and he talks, and he knows things, and he does things, and he communicates. Why? Because he has grown. In the same way, when you are born, you, we say when you are saved, you are born again, right? So you step into this new life. But guess what? You're like, you're like a, the, the, the little baby, right? You're just a baby Christian. It's all good. You're, no one expects you to walk out of here. And be totally done with the sin in your life. The enemy will try to convince us of that. But here's what happens. You're on the verge of divorce. So you give your life to Jesus. You come to church on Sunday. You give your life to Jesus. But you know what? When you leave here, you're saved, but you still have marriage problems. You're broke financially. You're in debt over your head. And you're right on the verge of throwing in the towel and filing for bankruptcy. So you come in here and you find Jesus and you give your life to Jesus. Guess what? You leave here saved, but you still have money problems. You tracking with me? And this is the way life works. We come in, we think salvation is going to solve all of our problems. No, no, no. Salvation is about bringing you into the kingdom of God and, and getting you uh, into heaven. It's about making you a child of the king. But now you have to learn how to live like a child of the king. So we come in with problems and we think saying this sinner's prayer is going to suddenly just fix everything. No, no, that doesn't fix anything except knowing that you're in the kingdom, you belong to Jesus, he belongs to you, and he's going to help you in your life. But you've got to go out here and work on it. So there's key areas in our life that need deliverance. Number one is this, victory over sin. This is about the choices that you make, the habits, the addictions, the attitudes. What are the things in your life that have control over you? We, we think sin is all about the big ones, right? And if it's not one of those big sins, it doesn't count. No, sin can be anything in your life that is controlling you, that is set up in the place that God should be in, and thus interfering with your relationship with God. We, we say uh, addictions. Well, we're talking about drugs and alcohol and por pornography and, and gambling. And it's easy to be arrogant or judgmental about someone else's addictions, but to make exceptions for our own or even be completely blind to them. So what do we do? We give them cute nicknames. I'm a workaholic. Ladies, I'm a shopaholic. 
okay? Guys, I'm a sports fanatic. No, no, the the question is, is it controlling you or, or is God in control of your life? Because if you're not in control, if you've lost control, you have now are forming an addiction and God is out of the first place in your life. Something else is in control of you and it is a sin. So, You know you can recognize the addictions in your life by the way you protect them? Y'all want me to say that again over here? Okay. You can recognize your addictions in life by the way you protect them. Somebody says something to you about it, they immediately become public enemy number one. Facebook, the nerve. Can you even believe texting, texting somebody else and texting you know, your spouse and, and, and your friends and oh my gosh, and now you've got like a chain of uh, all because they called you on something. Why? Did it, did, it, did, it, did it explode something inside of you? It might be an issue. You, you, you can know what's controlling you by how you respond to it. Measure your responses. If people say something to you about it, how does, what does it do inside your heart? What does it do inside your mind? Here's what, here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not to make it about a list of laws and a list of sins. It's not about that. Some things we just shouldn't do because they're not good for us. Some things I can't do because they're not good for me because I'll become a slave to it. Might be fine for you. You can control it. I can't, so I can't do that. I can't watch that. I can't say that. I can't go there. I can't be with those people because it controls me. So I have to say no. Not that I'm not allowed. Of course I'm allowed. But is it good for me? So one is victory over sin. Two is healing from our wounds. Healing from our wounds. Sin is about the decisions you're making. Wounds are about the things that have been done to you. Things that have been done to you. God wants to heal our wounds. When we're wounded, it can lead to anger and bitterness and unforgiveness, and that gives control to the devil. The pain of the past can limit our future. I'll keep moving. um, Number three is authority over the enemy. Authority over the enemy. God wants to give you authority over the enemy, over the schemes of the devil. Paul said that the the devil is scheming against you. He is devising ways to get you caught up, to get you ensnared in sin and entangled in sin. He is scheming on ways to get you caught up but you have authority over the enemy. He wants to control your mind. You have control over that. You you have authority over him. He wants to control your emotions. You have authority over the devil. Here's what Jesus said in the book of Luke. Look, I have given you authority over all of the power of the enemy. and crush them, nothing will injure you. When you go into dangerous places, you don't have to worry. You have authority. God is with you. God said he would deliver you, and there is no curse in your life that is powerful enough to overcome a God said. Because when he says his promises, his promises are immutable. He cannot change them. So how do we drink this cup, this cup of deliverance? How do we find the freedom that God is calling us to and wanting us for? 
Philippians 2. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to... He saved you. He did what only he could do. But now he wants to partner with you so that you can find freedom in your life and find deliverance. He wants to work with you. It's it's not about salvation at this point because we've got to put God in control. We're putting God in control. Lord, I'm taking other things that have controlled me in the past, and I'm getting rid of them, and then I'm putting you in control. This is where we really make God the Lord of our life. We make him the Lord, the leader, the ruler of our life. It's not about salvation. It's about lordship. I'll say it to you this way. Many people don't want changed hearts or changed lives. What they really want is changed circumstances. I don't want to do anything different. I just want my circumstances to change. I don't want to start up, stop overeating. I just want to be skinny. I... I don't want to stop overspending. I just want to be rich. I don't want to stop lusting. I just want a good marriage. We don't want to change our habits. We don't want to change our lifestyle. We don't want to change our hearts. We just want our circumstances to be wonderful. That's not really what God does. I'm not saying he can't, and I'm not saying he wants, but God is in the business of touching hearts. And when he starts working on our heart and we start working with God, he starts working things out in our life. And he works in you and through you. He wants you involved in the process, but we have to put him in control. So we make Jesus our Lord daily. It's an issue of control. Here's the good news, though. Uh, Romans teaches us that when we're controlled by the Holy Spirit, when we put him in control, it leads to life and peace. So number one is we've got to put God in control. Number two is you need to be water baptized. If you're here today and you've given your life to Jesus, but you've never been water baptized, you need to be water baptized. Why? Because it is, it is the, the, a representation, a, a physical representation of what God is doing in our life. He saved them, but then when they passed through the Red Sea, he was leaving their old slave lifestyle behind. He was leaving their old slave mindset behind. And so that's what water baptism does in our life. We're saved instantaneously, but deliverance, man, it's a process. And water baptism helps us to bury our old sinful nature, our old habits, our old hang-ups, our old frustrations. If you haven't been water baptized, you need to. Number three, and this is one of the, one of the primary mechanisms by which we find freedom in this church is by joining a small group. So, Pastor Ren, what do you mean? I mean that, well, life change happens in relationships. Life change happens. It's not the only way God does it, but life change happens in relationship. Here's what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm.
We want to think of ways to encourage each other. And then let's not neglect getting together. This starts with coming together on a Sunday morning. But secondly, it goes to meeting together, which is one of the main things that the the early church did was they met together in homes. They got together in small groups. Why? Because they understood there was power when they would meet together. They would encourage one another, and they would lift each other up. When we, when we are with the people of God, we begin, when we start doing life with people, we start encouraging them, you know, we just need help being delivered. You don't always know how to be delivered. Moses had to receive these laws from God to teach him, to teach the people how to, how to live free. Moses had done it. He had already lived in the desert. He had already been out of Egypt, out of slavery. So he had to teach them How? And we learn this from people. So God uses people in our lives. Um, Maybe I might even mess with your belief system a little bit, but confession is a necessary part of deliverance. I, I confess my sins to the Lord. Yes, you confess your sins to God and he's forgiven. But here's what James said in James chapter 5. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. uses all of us to help all of us heal. And one day you might be helping someone heal, and the next day they might be helping you heal. And this is how God set it up. Small groups are in, at Triumph are not designed to be many church services. Uh, many of them are Bible studies. Not all of them are, although we, we try to do things that are Bible-based uh, or, or we try to pray and do something. But they're places where relationships are formed. They're places where transparency is safe. They're places, places where life change happens. They're places where we find healing and we help others to heal. I, I want to challenge you if you've, first of all, never been a part of a small group, to be a part of a small group, sign up. We'll, we'll have sign-ups here in a few weeks. It's not quite time yet, but I want to encourage you, when that moment comes, sign up and get involved in a small group. It's part of how we find freedom and we find deliverance. Secondly, let me encourage you with this. Uh, some of you have been thinking about, and the Holy Spirit's been talking to you about starting your own small group. And I want to challenge you to start your own small group, to be a small group leader, and step outside of your comfort zone, and, and step outside of your realm of what you normally do, and start a small group. If you'd like to do that, you can click on our app, and there's a place that you can uh, t- you sign up. to. If you just want more information about what it means to be a small group leader, Sign up today, right now in the middle of service. Just sign up, take the leap, and we'll get back to you and, and talk to you all about it. Um, you know, you, you say, well, Pastor Randy, does God always bring deliverance in small groups? No, not necessarily. Um, my wife's father, and if you don't know him, uh, I, I just have the best in-laws in the whole world. I'm just totally, totally blessed. Um, and, and I say this all the time. I, I, just, I just think my in-laws are fantastic. They're just fantastic. And so, but here's my father-in-law story. When he was young, um, he was a very successful businessman, but he was a total alcoholic. I don't mean just like a little alcoholic. I mean staying drunk most of his life. Totally, total alcoholic. And uh, he had a roommate, this, 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 uh, other, this old Pentecostal boy that lived with him, and he'd pray for him all the time. Just always pray for him. And, and uh, my father-in-law would be like, man, you ain't praying for me. I'm not receiving all that. You know, and, he, and he'd have a, a bottle of whiskey in each hand, and, and the guy's praying for him. But, man, one day, the power of God stepped into his life. And as he tells the story, 
he felt electricity from the top of his head radiate all the way down to the bottom of his feet and back up again. And as he did this, in that moment, God completely delivered him from alcoholism. and He's never been addicted since that day. Here's my point to you. In one moment, God can deliver you. In one moment, God can turn things around. I have no doubt of it. I have no doubt. I could tell you story after story after story how someone uh, laid their addiction down, laid their sin down, and from that moment, they were totally set free. This is the God that we serve. But can I tell you this? Normally, that's not how it happens. Normally, it happens as we grow together with other people. I'm not telling you God can't. And if you're here today and you're suffering with, with, with an addiction, something's controlling you. And while I've been talking today, you just you can't get it off of your mind because you know what's going on and you want to be free so bad. I just believe that God can deliver you today. He can do that. And, and if you just lift up your hands and, and we'll have these altars open at the end of service, it might be just that day for you. But most of the time, God's pattern is he uses people to help heal people. You tracking with me? All right, let's go back into the Passover uh, meal, and uh, we'll be wrapping today. So we're in the second cup. We're at part five, if you took notes last, last week, of the Passover meal. And the first thing that would happen when they got to the, this part was the youngest person in the group would ask a series of questions. These questions, the Hebrew word translated means, why is it different? Why is it different? This is a very important piece because what they were asking was, okay, as we take this meal and as we're stopping and all, you know, as a kid, all you want to do is just get to the dessert. You don't want to stop and talk. You just want to get to the food so you can go back and play. And so this young person would ask this question, why is it different? Why is life different now than it used to be? And it was a process of reminding everyone from the youngest to the oldest that we used to be in slavery, and this is how life is now different. We were slaves, and, and now we're, we're not. The Lord God brought us out. And then they would go on and, and read several verses. Here's what Exodus chapter 13 and 8 says. On the seventh day, you must explain to your children... I am celebrating what the Lord did for me when I left Egypt. I want you to know. Lord did for me. I'm not just talking about what he did for my great grandparents or my grandparents or my great 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 grandparents or my anyone. I'm talking about what God did for me. You know, when we take of the Lord's Supper, it's not just about what God did for someone else. It's about making sure we know what God did for us. What did God do for you? How has he set you free? What was your personal deliverance? Salvation and deliverance, man, it's personal. You can't get saved on your mama's confession. What did God do for you? So we take this time. They would speak to four different sons. Now, it's called the four sons. The first one they would speak to is called the wise son, the wise son. These all represent different types of Jews and their relationship with the Torah or their relationship with God. So the first son was called the wise son. And this represented the people that were in the room that wanted to know more. I want to grow. I want to know more. I want to know about more about Scripture. I want to know more about God. I want to know more about where I came from. I want to know why we do it, and I want to know why it matters. I want to grow. In the same way, 
The wise son represents the Christian who wants to understand and wants to grow in his relationship with God. The second son is called the wicked son. This son wanted no part of it. He said Passover was for others, not for him. And the truth is he was a hypocrite hypocrite because he needed the Passover as much as anyone. He had already been delivered and yet was saying he didn't need it. This is the Christian that says, I don't need deliverance. We overlook our addictions in order to judge others and their addictions. We hold others to a standard that we are unwilling to live by. We think we can do it all on our own. We don't need a small group. I've got all my stuff together. We cover our own stuff while telling you all about yours. And to this son, whoever was leading would say, examine your own self. The third son was called the simple son. He was bewildered by all of it. He's kind of confused by the traditions and the religion. He didn't really understand it all. It didn't really make sense to him, and he didn't really care. He's the Christians that is not sure why we go to church, not sure why we worship, not sure why we tithe, not sure why we pray, not sure why we join a small group, not sure why we get involved in the dream team. I'm just not really sure. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying I don't know why it's important, and I don't know why it matters. I don't know why it matters to me. I'm good like I am. Don't feel the need to grow. They say things like, you've got issues and I've got issues and we've all got issues. Let's just, it's not that big of a deal. We start calling sin issues. But we need to be reminded of the favor of God and how he brought us out of slavery with the promise of deliverance. Then there's the fourth son. And this is the son who doesn't know enough to ask. It's not that he's against it. He just simply doesn't know. He doesn't even know to ask. He doesn't even know that there is more. He said a sinner's prayer once, but didn't that do it? I went to church as a kid, haven't been back since, but wasn't that enough? He doesn't even realize that there is no relationship with God in his life and that God wants a relationship with him. He doesn't even realize that God has all these promises beyond salvation. He doesn't even know enough to ask. He's just busy living life with no relationship. And as he talk, we talk with these sons, and, and as the leader, usually the, the father, the grandfather of the house would, would share these responses. He would talk about his own experiences and how God delivered him. And the encouragement was, whichever son you are, there's a God who has promises just for you. And he wants to deliver you and set you free. And you don't have to live in bondage to those things, but there's more for you. And as they would tell this story of slavery and prepare to drink the cup of deliverance, they're reminded of the three main elements of the Passover. First was the sacrificial lamb. They would remind them of the cost that this lamb gave his life that you could be free. Today, I want to remind you of the cost that our Jesus paid for us just pay it for your salvation, but he paid the price. He he gave his own life so that you could find freedom in every area of your life. Then they would take the eat the unleavened bread. This reminded them of the time. The time for deliverance is now, and it's already done. There's no, you don't need to wait any longer, but God wants to set you free. If you're here today and you're struggling with some sin, something's controlling you, maybe it's something I've mentioned, but maybe it's something totally different. Understand that whatever it is, that's the Holy Spirit dropping it in your heart. And he wants to set you free today. The time is now. 
And then thirdly was the herbs. These, these, they were, they were uh, bitter and they would remind them of the past. You know, sometimes we have to remind ourselves of how bad slavery was. We gotta remind ourselves about how difficult life was before we knew Jesus. How difficult life was when, when we were stuck where we were stuck, in slavery to the things we were in slavery, to in bondage to the things that were holding us down. But the longer we live free from them, the easier it is to forget. So when we take of this meal, we're reminding ourselves, Lord, I used to be a slave. I did. But you set me free. And I don't ever want to forget what it was like to be there and why it's different now. It is for freedom. It's so that you could be free. So that you could live free. That you could walk through it free. That you could have freedom in your life and freedom in your marriage and freedom in your finances and, and, and freedom in every area of your life. It is for freedom enough if he just came to save us, but he didn't. He said, I'm going to free you from the bondage, free you from the slavery. So you should have received the communion elements when you came in. And as we partake of these, if you didn't, if you just slip up your hands, our ushers will bring you one very quickly. We have people readily available. We want to get you some. Last week, we were thanking God as we took this cup. We were thanking him for the promise of salvation. But today, I want us to focus on the promise of deliverance and the promise of freedom in our life. After you have your cup, if you would stand with me for just a moment. We're coming around, bringing them to you. If you don't have, we'll get them very quickly. Make sure you uh, weigh one of our ushers down. distractions, let the Holy Spirit speak to our heart. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here today to help us find freedom. You're here to deliver us, and as we remember what our Jesus did for us, Paul said, is there anyone can help us? Yes, his name is Jesus, and he already went to the cross to pay the price that we might so help us today, Holy Spirit. Lord, I believe right now, as our mind stops being on the things of the people around us, Lord, speak to our heart about the areas in our life that we need to be set free. So as we lift this bread, just as your son Jesus did, it was your body, Lord, and it was broken for us. We break it and we eat it now in remembrance. And Jesus, we lift this cup to you. The second cup, the cup of deliverance. We thank you that you didn't just come to save us, but you came to set us free from our old life. For those in the room today, 
that are still struggling to be set free, I pray that as we drink this cup, deliverance would come into our lives. Lord, for those that the enemy is wearing on us and trying to pull us back in and we've forgotten what slavery was like, Lord, I pray that as we drink this cup, we would remember how bitter it was, how much we didn't like our lives before, but how much better life is in your kingdom, how much better life is filled with your Holy Spirit. So today, as we drink this cup, we remember our covenant with you and your promise that said, not only will you save us, but you will set us free. We drink now in remembrance of you. Specifically today, I want to open these altars and say, if you need freedom, if you need someone to connect with, someone to, you say, Pastor Ryan, I've tried and I couldn't do it and, and my faith is just waning. Good news. We've got people full of faith, full of faith. They know what it's like to come through. They know what it's like to be delivered and they want to pray with you today. You see, we, we can think deliverance is all about, you know, what, we see, what we've seen on, from Hollywood and we, we, we think about, uh, you know, all the, the horror movies and the, and the demons coming out of it. No, no, no. Deliverance is just about getting rid of our old mindsets and our old habits and our old struggles. You can be set free today. We want to pray with you. We'll pray with you about anything. Any situation going on in your life, we want to pray with you today. So if our pastors and elders and prayer partners would make themselves available, I want to remind you to keep praying every day with us. If you forgot, it happens, it's okay. Set an alarm so that you can join us at 1221 for just a few moments. Read your word, read your Bible, and pray with us every day. I believe that as you draw near to God, He is going to draw near to you. He's going to draw near to you. I want to bless you before you go. How many of you want to walk in deliverance and freedom today? All right. Let me, let me bless you before you go. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. And may he put his name, the name of Jesus Christ, on you. And you say, amen. God bless you. We love you all. Don't forget, pray 21. These altars.